getting calls from lawyers. <laughs> Welcome. Not your divorce lawyer, thankfully. You don't really have pneumonia, uh, yeah. do you? Mm hmm. Do you really have pneumonia? Yeah, I really had pneumonia. I went to the hospital and everything. Um, you know, this this came you immediately after uh, sending Susan a picture of some sort of diagnostic thing at CES, and yeah. I I fell sick upon that moment. <laughs> yeah, we were just talking about electronically transmissible diseases. So <laughs> it's an IoT thing. I think. <laughs> well, then I'm in. <laughs> well, you sound awful as usual, so Thank which you. is which is good. Thank so, you. Sebastian, how do you pronounce your last name? Uh, Manai. Manai. That's it's, it's technically Arabic, so I can't even pronounce it. But uh, oh. my, my dad speaks Arabic. I don't. So. Well, what does it sound like in Arabic? Um, it's like Manai. Oh, it's like, but Manai yeah, is how you yeah, go for it. It's I the Americanized version. Even of in it. French, you just say Manai. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Oh, okay. My last name was originally Van Cohenhoven, and I think my people couldn't pronounce that, so we just Americanized it to Conover. It's pretty yeah. close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the idea, yeah. Um, so this is episode, we Unfortunately, think... Unfortunately, my name is very boring. It's one of those common names there is. Ah. There's a couple of Michael Williams, the NBA, playing football. Fact, oh, that's right. You know, but a couple oh, of them played in the... You're not a Michael, are you a Michael? You're a Michael. Yeah. Oh. Uh, hey, Mark, what episode? I, it's got to be like 38. <laughs> I'm, I'm at 36 still, but that's okay. 36? Yeah. I always exaggerate. So let's, let's start with the introductions, which we're so awful with. We have our... Our token is, something or other. Do you across have the, the thing table. on yet? Um, we're recording. Go ahead. No. Susan, who are you? Oh, man. I try to figure that out every day. <laughs> I still can't. Uh, so, my name's Susan Conover, and I uh, run a startup called Lumen DX. We instantly identify skin diseases. And I think. Um, She's I just, learning to pitch. Yeah. She's I, um, good. <laughs> I've job, stuck though. around this podcast a few rounds. so. <laughs> she hasn't left yet. <laughs> yeah. Good. Nick um, or Mike or something. My name is Mick Williams, and I'm the president and founder of Boston Harbor Angels. It's <laughs> a early investment company here in Boston. Who do we have on the phone? My <clears throat> name is Mark Thurman. I do have the pneumonia. It's awful, um, uh, although antibiotics help. And I am an IoT guru, currently... Uh, currently deployed at JD Power. You're really entitled to call yourself a guru. I thought other people were supposed to call you a guru. Oh, um, uh, supplicant? <laughs> yeah, about a replicant. Mark, I thought you had I thought you had some sort of appointment with like the Enterprise. What was it? Yeah, aren't you like a director of the universe? Uh, it, uh, look, we've gone through this a few times. <laughs> Dear leader would suffice. Oh, that's right. All right, I'm Dave Pausner, an IP lawyer here at Nutter, which is uh, Nutter, McLennan, and Fish. And this is our the studio today is at Nutter. So that it's amazing. This is the world headquarters of uh, Failure uh, of the Podcast. Of the, yeah, it, it is. It is, if you believe the uh, internet. Um, and we have a guest. Yeah. Uh, so, Sebastian, thanks for having me. Uh, Sebastian Manai. Yeah, Manai. Uh, which is really not the correct pronunciation, but that's exactly. another Close story. Close enough. Uh, I know Susan from Mass Challenge, and she's the one who invited me here. So uh, I'm also in the IoT business. I haven't reached the guru stage yet. Uh, we might make you there today. We well, could maybe be, put you right in there. He could become a director well, of the MIT Enterprise Forum. Well, no, it could there's be a series it. of belts you have to get: white, pink, brown, pink. <laughs> oh, pink, pink. Okay. is pink. next. Yeah, that's a good one. Pink is next. Yeah. Um, so you know, Susan, we were going to ask you that. But so, what do you do? Uh, so I am making uh, IoT for the energy industry, for the oil and gas industry. I just, it's based on the research I was doing at MIT, just finished my grad school and launching a company based on that. 
Congratulations. Your website doesn't mention that at all. At least when I looked you up, there's no mention of this. On LinkedIn? Or well, yeah, LinkedIn. Uh, we so. just we just opened the the website. We were staying uh, on purpose, like with stealth. no stealth. Yeah, mm-hmm. just while we get everything ready, so we launch everything at once. So this when podcast is nice. your big announcement. Yeah, is this it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the place. Yeah. Failure of the podcast exactly. is a place a lot of companies announce. This is where everybody comes yeah, to get real VR information. Can have a little talk with you after this. <laughs> <laughs> can you talk to us about failure? You don't have to yet, but you oh, have great oh, yeah. failure stories. Yeah, there's there's well, a like, few. I want to hear more about his device because I am an IoT guru. <laughs> Oh, oh, that's right. He's also oh. at the MIT Enterprise Forum. Yep. Did we mention that? Yep. Uh, yeah. Well, I also want to talk to him about that. I'm seems, also on that thing. Because we have a conference oh, coming are? up March 25th oh, you, at the MIT you, Media Lab. Hold on, Mark. This is important. Are you doing the MIT? I'm serious. Yeah, yeah. This I'm, is serious. I'm also de- I basically signed up to everything that has the word MIT in it. So MIT Enterprise Forum, I signed up a year ago. Uh, And I go to most of their events. So you're going to the Connected Things thing? Mm -hmm. Uh, They have IoT events uh, periodically. uh, Well, there's one coming up that marks. Can you just question if we have IoT events? I'm I'm just going to have to hang up. Yeah, this is serious. This is actually a serious (laughs) comment. Mark is running a program called Connected Things in March. Is that correct, Mark? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'll be there. He'll okay. Sebastian wants. Would you like? Would you like to exhibit? Uh, sure, yeah, that would be great. Would you like to be a, a panelist? Uh, yeah, I'll check the details, but probably that would be sure, good. Sure, I, well, I can put you on a panel pretty easily. I'm not involved at all, but I would be glad to have you on a panel. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, he has panels in his basement with a, with a lot of wax figures, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> okay. Just, just nosing in here, would you say your internet of fuel or internet of, like, Ooh, that's a good idea. more detailed? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we need, uh, I mean, the real acronym is IIoT, Industrial IoT, but mm. no one knows this acronym. Uh, so I we do. need a better one, like IOO, Internet of Oil, I don't know. So you're sensorizing yeah. fuel? Yeah, what are you so, doing? So yeah, uh, we basically have a new sensor that's like a stethoscope, but for oil and gas industry. We can listen to the sound, tell what's happening on the ground as you're pumping the oil. And you use this, you know, connect it to the cloud, and you run your algorithm, and you can optimize the whole uh, machinery. So this is not funny either, but could you have detected a leak in a certain gas pipeline in Mexico? Uh, yeah, we also can detect leaks uh, specifically of methane. So that's one oh, of the really? applications. Yeah. Oh, well, there we go. So did you do undergraduate and graduate in MIT? No, so I'm French. I did actually undergrad and some of the grad in France in, a, in Ecole Centrale Paris, a French engineering school in Paris. What's that translate to? Uh, Central School of Paris. If you want the go. full name, it's Central School of Arts and Manufacturers of Paris. Oh. That's the... Uh, it's the IoT capital of Paris. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, that's where Eiffel went. So that's like our big uh, brand name thing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Is the tower still standing? Right? I've been there in a couple yeah, of years. Yeah. But <clears throat> yeah, it's not tilted. It's, it's good. Uh, <laughs> so tell us more about this. So how, what's the underlying sort of tech for this thing in, the tech, in, in uh, two paragraphs or less? It's literally a stethoscope. Literally? Like picture. Like, you know, when you go to the doctor, he listens to the sound of your heart and he can tell. Hopefully nothing, but, you know, what is going on there. Uh, and, like, the sound of the valves, the flow, everything. We do the same thing. We listen to the sound, and that sound is created, you know, 10,000 feet on the ground by, by a pump, and we can tell what's happening to that pump, what's it's pumping, is it leaking, is it working fine, you know, everything in real time. Uh, so that's the idea. And it's a very simple, it's basically a sturdier microphone that we use. Uh, with and, a, and you have fingerprints, so to speak, yeah. of uh, various bad things yeah. and good things that happen. It's kind of like also mixed with sonar technology, you know, like for 
uh, sonar, you can tell the sound of a boat, you can recognize different boats, different propellers, different animals on the water, all that. It's kind of the same thing. We listen to the sound and then you analyze that sound, and that's when you need like a lot of math to do that efficiently. Uh, and then you, this little device, you know, is connected to the internet, and then you can give order to the machine, turn your motors on and off, tell the user what's going on, you know, send an operator to fix something, and. Susan uh, wants to ask: Is there a market? <laughs> is there a market for this? <laughs> I was just going to ask: Is it is it the difference? Uh, your was your first uh, algorithm like hissing sound or no hissing sound? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's just classic. Basically, oh, followed by was. kaboom. <laughs> Not a good sound. The sound of matches being lit. That's <laughs> yeah, pretty much what it is. I mean, you're the Texan one. You know about the market. Like, I do. Uh, that it funded my undergrad education. Land yeah. rights fund a lot of the UT system. Okay. How much is leakage an issue? Um, no one knows. Uh, really? Because like it's actually pretty impressive. Like I think like four or five years ago, you know, the uh, people are trying to estimate the carbon footprint of the oil and gas industry in the states, and the estimate five years ago were around 100 million tons of CO2 equivalent. Like they convert methane leaks into CO2, and the last estimate last David June, can do that in his head. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Last June, it was Back more than 1 head. billion, basically. So, like, it has 10x over five years. And, like, the oil and gas industry hasn't changed effectively in five years, not much. It's just that people are realizing that it's a bigger issue than they thought. Um, and the previous administration was starting to, like, uh, tackle methane leaks seriously, a little less right now. Uh, Can you detect cows farting? <laughs> we could, probably, yeah. yeah. That's an even bigger market. I think there's probably more cows than oil wells. But, uh, Nick knows about cows. Cow. <laughs> yeah. I'm not affiliated with any aspect of that last question. <laughs> Mark, uh, apart from chewing into the phone or whatever you're doing over there, do you have some uh, pithy IoT questions for us? Well, uh, yeah. IoT. Looks like you filed some, uh, some IP around all this, too. Um, I have the benefit of sitting here in front of a computer, which is not something I would normally do. But oh, did he mention I'll he has a new Mac? It. You have your new Mac going, don't you? Yes, it's wonderful. It's uh, fantastic. Yeah, you got the new Mac. But, right, so I guess my, my pithy question is, how do you connect to networks? Yeah, um, two things. There's what we do right now and what we'll do in the future, and then the far future. Right now we just use, there's new 4G networks, like people, you know, you're familiar with your phone with like 4G and 5G coming up. Yep. Uh, and they have, uh, operators have a, a type of 4G that's designed for IoT. It's called 4G Cat M1 or NB. It's basically very long range and lower speed, but you know, you're not streaming YouTube video on your IoT, so you don't, you don't really need the speed. So we use that type of network. So you have coverage, you know, in the middle of nowhere. Um, we also do a lot of edge computing, so you need very need very little uh, uh, communication with the cloud. And the long-term solution for the wells that are really in the middle of nowhere, like you know Alaska or Northern Dakota, or or even like in the middle of deserts in Texas. Uh, there's a lot of uh, they're called CubeSat. They're like miniature satellites that are coming up, yep. and those will bring. I mean, they're already bringing. I, I saw, like, I know a couple of people working there. That it's pretty much guaranteed that in five years, uh, everyone will be able to have internet access for very, very low cost. Because uh, right now, to, uh, satellite connectivity is insanely expensive. Um, well, it depend, depends on the use case. But uh, And I'm a telco guy, so I know NBIOT and CAD M1 pretty well. He's also director of the that, MIT that, Enterprise Forum Board. I heard that. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a very smart scenario to leverage NBIOT because it's being ro rolled out globally. 
and then you could probably also do uh, some of the unlicensed things for really, really, you know, remote, uh, you know, like uh, Alberta for oil fields there, and then haul it back somehow. But uh, we won't spend time on that, I don't think. But this is really smart. What's the name of the company? So right now the name is ADS, Acoustic Diagnostic System. ADS, that yeah. sounds like a speaker company. Oh, does that, uh, that predates you? Yourself, David. Yeah, that, sorry. That speaker hasn't been out since 1982. Hey, it was a good speaker, though. Uh, so, they were great. Uh, Analog and digital systems, they were fantastic. Mark, should Sebastian send you his writing and account number now? Or is that <laughs> going to wait on that? Well, uh, Mick and I will have to have a little talk about the investment scenario. But, um. <laughs> Just kidding. But I, I'm, I'm curious about, okay, you got a super sensitive microphone. and Stethoscope. It, Stethoscope, but it's like stethoscope a has a microphone on, right? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. So, why? What's? Who else can build one like it? I mean, I I got a really good microphone. I mean, actually, the sensor we buy, uh, and that's like the beauty of it. I currently you use Honeywell sensor, or whatever. It's a fifty dollar piece of electronic. It's basically free at the. Can you charge uh, people like sixty dollars for it and make ten dollars? But the, the yeah. <laughs> Uh, the, the the no one the, the whole beauty so of this reseller. thing is like the hardware is not important. Like the, all the hardware we use is off the shelf. I mean the electronics we use is just small computers, but there's nothing new in the hardware. The concept is new, and that's what we patented the the the, the method and the idea of listening to the sound, and then everything is in the the math, the algorithm you use. Uh, you know, like when you go to the doctor, he listens to the sound of your heart and, you know, he's smart and highly trained. He can tell what's going on. You want to replace the doctor brain with the piece of math. Uh, and that's the tricky part. Uh, so that's... Um, that's all done on the edge edge computing? Uh, some of it. Both. Some and some, and some. Like the better we get, the more you do on the edge. The sound of hissing is detected on the edge. <laughs> that sounds like a yes. hiss. <clears throat> so how many, how many things can you identify? Is there like a... I can identify. Right now or yeah. in the future? <laughs> right now, no. we I would say two to three things. One is the most important uh, that we focus on. Uh, in the future, like many more, but we need to kind of learn and, and build try. Yeah, build. Well, we don't need just data set. That's the nice thing because if you just have a pure machine learning approach, you need like years of recorded data or, you know, it takes time. Uh, we, we're, our stuff is based on physics model, full model. so. Uh, that give us a good intuition of what we're supposed to listen. So we don't need that much data set, but we need some. Um, and there's many type of you know machineries out there, so you kind of have to. So is this only for pipelines or for deep wells? Uh, right now it's for wells. Like the thing that you see moving up and down, like the donkey head that all yeah. over Texas. I grew up in Michigan. They're all over the place. Yeah. In the U.S. is about one million of those. There's, there's a oh, ton. Really. Um, they smell. Yeah. That's because they eat. seven million actually. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah, if you had uh, Mexico and Canada, uh, they put three more in yesterday. <laughs> You're off, Mark. <laughs> there, there's one in Natick on on your front yard now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so wait a minute. So you can a deep well? How deep is a deep uh, well? Only land stuff, not offshore. But we can go to very deep. We've tested on within feet, like fourteen thousand feet, something like this. That's how deep those That's, damn things go. Yeah, the, the average is probably two thousand. Uh, uh, thousand meters so that's like six seven thousand feet but they can go up to 14 like the record is probably fifteen thousand but that's pushing it how do you handle the power requirements on the edge uh so that's two thing right now we have solar panels uh but we're going to change because that's, could you tap into the methane uh it's pisses people off yeah it's tricky uh no we're gonna we have a new 
patent on a new type of power supply. Ooh. Like is it attaching simple. to cows or no? Yeah, yeah we could. Cow they f- run around and they're like, cow there's no generator <laughs> attached to cow. Cow farts, cow farts. He could put a battery on it and they last, you know, five, seven, ten years and you just throw the damn thing out. If but he's got, no, we need too much power. Yeah, he's got like the computing that. to do, Mark, not just yeah. the uh, communication. Well, he's doing a full edge thing, but, but I he think is. This, is, this is interesting. So you're doing the pipe, not the pump. It's uh-huh. place that it's called the wellhead. It's like literally okay. where the oil comes out of the ground, like with the piece of pipe that's coming out. Uh, yeah. Right. So when, when, basically, you're trying to prevent or predict whether there's an issue, a leak, or or, or are you also doing uh, blowouts or anything? Yeah. I mean, the the analogy when I explain to people what we're trying to do is uh, if you're drinking from a cup with a straw, when you reach the bottom, when there's nothing more to to drink, it makes this bubble sound, uh, and it's slurping, kind of the same. Slurping yeah, sound. slurping sound. Slurping sound. Mark, Mark makes bubbles because he's bored, <laughs> so he blows into it. But yeah, it's slurping sound, and so that's what we detect. Uh, you always want to like your pump has to pump exactly what there is. If it pumps too much, you start to pump methane, and then you reject that in the environment, and that breaks your equipment. If you don't pump enough, you could basically make more money because you leave oil on the ground, and that's tricky because how much oil there is changes every day. Like. Like the oil is seeping through the ground, but that's a very unsteady rate. Sometimes a lot, sometimes nothing. So you kind of need to constantly adjust your machinery. What's and the effect of uh, shale oil? Uh, this is yeah. your, your shale oil is, has nothing to do with this at all. Um, yes and no. Um, shale. I mean, it doesn't matter for us where the oil is from. If it's like conventional, like oil well from 1880, or if it's a brand new shell oil you know are those wells well. though there's yeah. other uh, shell yeah. oils are well yeah. the same just thing. pumping in stuff in there that oh, makes oil come out right. yeah True. it's just yeah. different the way basically they drill and prepare them is different some. but once you have a hole in the ground it's a hole in the ground uh how about salt wells you probably don't have signatures for salt no, wells. No, we haven't tested on those different hissing sounds yeah, oh, yeah it's all hissing yeah. sounds yeah it doesn't <laughs> ex- salt does not explode <laughs> yeah um, Thank you for letting me re- reduce your business to like. No, but <laughs> it's pretty. I mean, it's both simple and not simple. Like. Okay, so you were in France and you're sipping on a bottle of something. Yeah. And you said, oh, yeah. "Gee, I think what we really need is something that would detect the hissing sound of the oil well." Uh, I had the idea in the U.S. Like in France, I was working on plasma physics before. Uh, like I was in physics, like quantum mechanics, plasma physics. Came to the U.S. to do aerospace engineering in the space propulsion lab at MIT, and then through some random change of event, I did my PhD with the oil and gas company. Um, and I had the idea when I went on the field. Did they say, we have a problem, can you solve it, or how uh, did it happen? They said, it, it was, I mean, I love the way my PhD started. They said, those machineries, that thing that moves up and down, that pump the oil, haven't changed in like 150 years. You're smart, figure something out. Like, that was your PhD. Uh, <laughs> and then I went on the field and I saw how uh, everything is done by hand. Like. Um, it's most of them is an like operator in their pickup truck. They drive every single day to every single well to check. And you know what you can check is very limited because I mean, you can only see stuff. And usually when something breaks or leaks, it's on the ground and you're not going to be able to tell. And they spend their days in their car because, you know, if you're in West Texas, like the distances are enormous. So you drive, you know, half an hour, inspect for one minute, drive half an hour, inspect for one minute. They do this all the time. So I just thought this didn't make any sense. And the acoustic idea, I had it uh, just from the stethoscope, honestly. Like, I thought, I thought it existed, and I Googled it. I was like, there's nothing. It seemed, it, for me, it was the first thing I would have tried. Uh, but people do it differently right now, so, yeah. 
What are they doing now? They're just listening for the sound and uh, saying, this one seems to be hissing. Yeah, uh, no, it's either... <laughs> the explodes yeah. and they listen from a distance. They don't have to drive as much. Either they do it by hand, like the, the, the guy literally like listens to sound in the machine, like feels if the machine is vibrating or whatever, if there's a leak or if he can tell. That's on everything that's like small, they do it by hand. If a well is bigger, so if they have money to buy more equipment, uh, they measure like forces in steel. Like there's a steel cable or a rod that attached to the pump on the ground, and they measure what's happening to that steel rod. Uh, what will you be able to do with the methane pipelines? Yeah, um, there's two things, I guess. A lot of wells are not connected to methane lines, oil wells. So they're designed to pump oil, and if, this, if there is methane, flare it either off. they flare or they can just dump it also in a lot of smaller production. Uh, and that's the issue because <coughs> flared methane is basically CO2. I mean, it's not good, but pure methane is way more potent than CO2. It's like 40 to 80 times worse. You mean for the environment? For the environment, yes. Yeah. Uh, it, it, uh, it does it have a smell? Yeah. Does, does it have a smell? Uh, methane by itself, no, but yeah. it's mixed with uh, uh, H2S, uh, uh, dehydrogen sulfide. But not, uh, sulfur. not by the, before it goes into the pipelines? Oh, yeah, underground, from underground, it all has the sulfur in it, and that's what—that's the smell. Oh, that I see. That's the. They the put the smell in. Smell. The, they put the smell into the gas. And so, but you're after, saying naturally, but occurring. naturally, it has some, uh, and that's actually very dangerous. That has killed many people. Like this H2S gas is, is deadly, uh, and yeah. it's tricky because it—the first thing that goes is your sense of smell. Don't they have the uh, uh, lakes? Isn't that what comes up from the lake? The lake first the thing lake that goes are your nose hairs. Yes, yes. Well, that's, yeah. that can be useful if you're... When I went in Oklahoma, it was uh, one of the wells was in a little, like, uh, um, surrounded kind of by hills, so it was a lower position. Oh, and and the, yeah. the worker told me, oh, yeah, like, a couple months ago when I was there, there were, like, 10 dead cows around the well. That was, was like, a good sign. Hmm, maybe we should... It's like the canary in the coal line. Yeah, exactly. Coal mine. exactly you same. could do this acoustic thing, or you could just have a set of um, lighters that go off at any time, and then you'll... Right? Yeah. There's a flame. Yeah. They love to have, like, wrong. flames around their oil. <laughs> okay, so, the, so when they... So the pipelines, like the, the Canadian pipeline, the one that's mm -hmm. going to come through the U.S., if they permit that, that is not... Methane. That is fuel. That's fuel oil. Or what uh, is that? There's different types of pipelines. Some are some are fuel. Some are, are uh, for gas. Well, or how many are for gas or for gaseous things? Oh, I I don't know. That depends on the location. I mean, I know New England, for example, uh, depends a lot of natural gas. So I, I would assume that pipeline. I don't know, but I, I would assume that's a gas. Is pipeline. that related to your business also, or not yet? Mm, no, we don't do pipelines. Uh, we focus on like the production at the well itself, like making the the well produce more efficiently. Um, there, there's other startup tackling all the leaks in the pipelines. Uh, we could look into it, but you know, one thing at a time. So let me ask a political question here, half political. Are there pipelines, are there gas lines and pipelines that run along the border? It's um, a good question. I know that Mexico has a lot of oil and gas wells. I don't know if they use pipeline across the border. Maybe you could huh. conjure up a deal between Trump and the Democrats where you would fund uh, pipeline detection of... Um, yeah, that yeah. still sound political. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to break the logjam. Yeah, Anything we can you. do. Yeah, someone pays for the fuel. We use yeah, the then he gets to make yeah. money off of it. Like he'll, listen for, he'll listen for people sneaking across people the border. People in the pipelines. It's like in the James Bond movie, like they, the old one. They oh, go, do they go through the pipeline? Yeah, in the 1990s. Yeah, they have this like, oh. capsule. And they Remember the guy through going the through the snowblower in that first one. So what's the name of this podcast? Oh, Failure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So right, what right. does that lead that's us right. to? Yeah. Thank you, Susan. <laughs> <laughs> Mark was getting bored, apart from chewing his cut over there. Uh, on, on 
on behalf of the two listeners, I thank you. <laughs> yeah. So what um, do you, yeah, go lead it. No. I wasn't listening. <laughs> um, so I, I think what what is sort of different and, and really interesting about this podcast is, is it's getting to <laughs> we never get there getting though. to the nut of challenges because it's you know startups are so much about promoting success and progress um, and you kind of like sweep the sweep the failures under the rug um, but that's the biggest opportunity for learning so I don't know what you'd be comfortable talking about whether that's like iterations on your stethoscope or you could talk about your competitors' failures. That's why. <laughs> yes, you works. can tell. I talked about how I wasn't going to. Yeah, fail. yeah, yeah. She, she was <laughs> a cop out. Yeah, you, that's, you avoided the whole question. Like, <laughs> well, and who this is, is the typical yeah. startup mentality? Like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yes, yes. Wait so, minute, did, did Sebastian listen to any of our podcasts? Uh, he he uh, failed. I, uh, no, I haven't. Oh, that was a good okay. move. So tell <laughs> us about fail. failure. Make something up. Uh, no, no, I, I mean, there are some. I mean, I'm, we're still pretty early stage, so there's probably more to come. But uh, I think the difficult part for uh, the team and me, well, first, I guess, was you create a, a team. Because when you make a, a company based on your PhD research, you know, it's like your little baby and your technology, and basically no one else understands what you're doing. And it's uh, very tricky to motivate people to like join you and be like, Okay, I'm going to resign my job and or drop off my postdoc or whatever to join the team, um, and that's hard because they don't have the same passion for the for the topic as you do. Mm. Uh, so I struggle a lot at first. So the founders' equity, co-founders' equity, but keep going. The equity was relatively smooth, honestly. Like I had no problem giving equity to people. I rather see people are really engaged and like going all in, and I think that deserves like a, a payment effectively, yeah. like their their share. Uh, but uh, and and the the funny thing with building the team is that once uh, you know I had one good co-founder, then everything else went very quickly. Then we founded the other guy very quickly after. Like you build the momentum, uh, and, and then that works uh, really to your advantage. Uh, the 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 other f- uh, tricky part for us, I don't know if it's a failure, but. Uh, this is like a, a heavy industry topic. Like, I mean, most people don't even know where the energy comes from when they turn the light switch on. And so talking to people also about oil and gas, which isn't like the most trendy thing, you know, especially in Boston right now, uh, was difficult and explaining what you're doing. It's, it's just so disconnected from, you know, consumer product uh, that if you're trying to explain to people who are not, you know, uh, engineers or, or, or like nerds, uh, it's, you really have to find a good approach to to get them engaged and. and so, what approach do you use? Mm-hmm. Mm, I finding the the stethoscope thing made it very easy to explain to people what it is. Even Mick could understand that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's still thinking about it. No, so, yeah, you, you have just have to pick the right angle to to explain. To so, people. did I dissect that further? It, but why oh, are you ahead. talking to those people anyway? <clears throat> excuse me. Excuse me. It's not like you should be talking now. to people who are potential customers. Yeah. And the customer should become strategic, so I would think, to yeah. be very interested in what you're doing. So th- there's two things. Uh, I mean, the potential customers or, or investors or, or mentors or whatever who know the oil and gas industry know exactly what I'm talking about, and I don't need to, to make it uh, uh, too simple for them. They know the problem, and, and they understand. But, you know, just in your... Just explain the problem. The problem is whether I'm pumping gas or whether I'm pumping oil, yeah. methane or, or oil. Yeah. And that is the problem, and that's the one you're solving. And I guess the problem, it's even bigger. You want to automate your oil field. That's really what we want to address. Like once you, that's our long-term vision. Once you have those little sensors on 
Okay, let me uh, zoom out a little bit. A typical owner can have a couple hundred oil wells. Uh, so there's a lot of them. And right now he has people driving everywhere all the time. We want to be able to automate the whole oil field. Uh, and so you place all those little sensors on every well and then you get the, the big picture after and you can run all those wells in, in the nobody's doing world. this nobody's ever thought of that before it seems fairly obvious uh, <laughs> yeah. every uh, greatly explain, explained startup always sounds obvious but that's the beauty of it right? no there is like all, all the big boys but, but not but, not but all Mick, the interaction Mick, in, in all seriousness this is a classic IOT use case uh, not even dependent on the, on, on, on the vertical. His vertical, oil and gas, or natural resources, that makes sense. This is the same use case for agricultural monitoring. You know, you still have people that have to go around and make sure the sensors on the vineyards are, are operating correctly, or, or whether or not the HVAC systems are running properly. Yeah, but that's not Mick's point. His point is it's obvious. Which it probably isn't, but that's well, Mick's point. Well, you got a patent, that's, right? So. Well, there we go. That proves it. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, that's on the that technique of determining the, determining yeah, the problem. There has to be many filed. ways to determine the problem. That yeah. and 15, one, one of which would be somebody going by, and he's been doing it for 100 years, and he goes, hey, this, you've got a leak here. This is, you know, this is whatever. Right? So, I mean, these, you're, 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 sophist you're making sophisticating Sophisticating is that a good word? You're making something. You're making something that people were doing by hand, yeah. doing it over the internet, which is great. But it seems like that would be fairly obvious to most people and say, "Gee, this guy driving around in a truck, that doesn't yeah. make well, any sense." So I guess so. I guess the question I have is, if people, I'm guessing people are not doing this currently. Your competitors or would-be competitors are not doing it acoustically. They're doing it with uh, video cameras, uh, and they're trying to detect yes. a clear gas or whatever. So not just a guess. So there, there's a couple of competitors. I guess, I mean, they're not really competitors, but what exists is the product made by all the big companies like Halliburton, Schumerger, Baker Hughes, uh, Rockwell, like all, all those huge uh, companies, they have product to do that that are, you know, very sophisticated and, and, and uh, then exist. But, but they don't work, right? Uh, they're very complicated. So they're limited to the very high-end market, to the wells that, well, people who can afford those. Uh, but most producers... Uh, to have smaller wells, so it doesn't justify you know spending fifty grand in a piece of electronic and then having you know so your trained technician come to install it. Um, How do they work, roughly speaking, acoustically, optically, them, or uh, so electrically? they measure the force in the, that piece of metal, uh, the see. strain in the piece of metal. Ah. Uh, that's how they work. And to give you an idea, just the sensor to be able to measure the force is about uh, three to five thousand dollar that they use. Uh, so. And there's just one sensor. Then they have the whole system behind it. So it works on every high-end oil well, you know, anything they have, you know, offshore or in the Gulf or, or the very big wells in the U.S. They this, have, this is a sensor systems. rod that goes down into the well that, that's just for that purpose or it's part of the... No, it's part of the system. Like the pump, you basically have a bicycle pump, like sturdy and bigger, 10,000 <laughs> feet on the ground. And uh, the handle of the pump is connected to a steel rod that goes to your surface to that machine that push and pulls it up and down. Uh, so oh, mechanically, right. it's, it's very. That's what makes device. the pump. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. So he's so saying he's got a sensor, uh, sensor on the uh, on the rod. Yeah. No, he doesn't. He's no, got. They, I'm sorry, the bad guys yeah. do. Yeah. The evil. No, what they have works uh, well, but it has uh, big limitations that we don't have because of the acoustic approach. So is nobody else doing acoustic? No. Oh, there you no go. One. Uh, and that I was surprised, honestly. That's what, how my research started, and that's what we patented, effectively. Ah. Um, 
Yeah, okay. and the other thing is our system is very simple and very affordable. So it's designed for all the smaller producers who do everything by hand. So it's designed to scale. Uh, and those guys, they can't you know, afford uh, uh, fancy equipment. Uh, so your PhD thesis was on this yeah. idea? It was on the acoustic uh, um, analysis of the oil and gas well. We lost mm -hmm. failure somewhere along the way. So can I go sounds like a success. Yep. No, I mean, this sounds I, like success, the podcast. Can I, can I circle back to um, Susan's question about, I guess, I mean, actually, well, your answer to her question about it hiring people. Challenging yep. to find team members. Yeah, yeah. can we go back to team members? One. Tell us about some failures there. Yeah. Tell us about uh, the first person you walked up to and they laughed at you. Uh, and they said, oh, 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 I laugh at your idea. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, so you, you asked me why it's... Uh, uh, why I'm talking to people who don't know like the oil and gas industry and such. Well, when you're, you know, in this case at the university at MIT, uh, looking for teammates or people who can help you, you're pitching, presenting, talking to a lot of people who are not in your field. Uh, which you don't I don't mind at the all. oil and gas department. Yeah. No, I'm. Uh, Course yeah. 15 oil and gas. Uh, well, it's man, yeah. it's close. <laughs> it's close. No, there, it's uh, a lot of gas over there, though. No, you know, when you look for Hot business air. people, like, uh, but. I don't have a problem with someone not knowing the field if they're willing to learn, so that wasn't a, a, a barrier for me. But unless they have some money, why waste your time? Well, he needs he needs <laughs> yeah. co-founders. Yeah, uh, I needed co-founders. So do you have any oh, good stories? Right. You know, so I mean, I, mean, I am serious. Are there any good stories about uh, apart from trying to find these yeah. people? Um, are there any interesting stories that would help uh, the three, two now maybe one listener we have, if they're looking for? Um, Co-founders yeah, or hot any tips for yeah. co-founders? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, my approach was brute force method. I went to every single existing event, like literally every single day, all the time. And uh, would you stand up and say, "I'm looking for co-founders"? You just talk to everyone, and whenever there's someone that you find interesting, you 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 have a little uh, in-depth discussion with them. Uh, I ended up meeting my completely randomly the first co-founder I was hosting a friend visiting from France on, on my couch for a week and then we went out to have a beer with a guy he knew at MIT and that guy ended up joining the team huh. um, so it, it was very random um, and then the next guy was the roommate of one of my friend uh, so oh so it's networking yeah it was pure saying. networking and it's you basically connection in yeah. networking, not just okay like, so when but are you did you have money to offer? Did you say? Nope, nothing. nothing. So now here, I'm going to give you a piece of paper that's going to be worth something someday. Mm -hmm. Come on in, be a co-founder. But how do we eat next week? And what are we doing for dinner tonight? Yeah. Um, it's postdoc <clears throat> salaries. So, yeah. Uh, you know, it starts with uh, people have their job and help you uh, on the side, you know. Uh, um, and then at some point they tell their boss that they're going to resign and leave at the end of the year. And that's just the point we reach right now. Like right now we all, we're postdoc, we all have jobs and starting June 1st, everyone is going to be full time on the company. And we already told our, our um, uh, employers or professor that uh, that's how it's going to be. Um, but and, yeah, and their respective employers yes. don't have any rights in this, or they no, okay. because it's it's completely unrelated to what they're doing, and you make sure that they work on it, you know, on, on different hours, different computers, like you avoid any IP issue. Hmm. Um, okay. And regarding the money, then we'll uh, we're doing right now a, a pre-seed fundraising that will cover a seed fundraising that will cover the first uh, uh, year of runway. How is that going without getting in? Because you can't do any pitching. We just just started, so it's uh, I don't have any success or failure yet. Uh, have you thought about? So going when to? will you get your first customer paying customer? Yeah. So right now we have 
letter of intent. We don't have any paying customer. We're doing field trial on a customer in Texas and Louisiana. We're instrumenting all his well because we're still developing the, the product. We don't have you know a minimum viable product. We're like debugging all the tests, uh, all the tech, tech, testing all the equipment. Do you have the and signatures and the fingerprints and yeah, the sensors? We built? have all that. Yeah. Oh, the sensors are you're buying sensor, off the Yeah, shelf. we're building the math basically, all the algorithm behind this. Okay. And now all of that is ready, and we'll have the first uh, minimum viable product for like March. Uh, that we'll implement on this guy, and then we can talk about uh, paying customer. Okay. Hmm. Okay, the, the signature that you're looking for, you've got that defined, you know what it is, yeah. and that's gonna, that's all you need yeah. for that uh, one? And that was the nice thing about... Vertical, what do you yeah. call that, that was the nice thing about this research. The result of my PhD was basically some like universal scaling that... Uh, brings every because there's many types of oil wells, different depth, size, whatever, that finds a common signature for all of them. Uh, so that simplifies a lot the problem. That's why we don't need to build a huge database with machine learning. You can have one constant for everything. Susan detects universal scaling too. I think doesn't she? <laughs> yes. <Ew. laughs> it's a tough yes, one to follow up. So ahead, go ahead, Mark. We're <laughs> we're half listening. Mark. What? Oh, okay. He's asleep. We, yeah, we thought you were saying something relevant, but as no, usual, I not. No. <laughs> I was oh. reacting to the universal scaling comment. Oh, oh, you were trying to be funny. Okay. Um, no, I was reacting to Mick trying to be funny. Oh. <laughs> okay. I am funny to myself. So what's the what's the long term? How are you going to pitch this? Obviously, you're going to get you're going to develop the algorithms. You're going to, and actually, that's an interesting question. I, I think it's interesting because I'm asking it. So it's a genius question. Um, but how do you come up with enough failure or use cases for this? Uh, that is, you do. You, how do you know when there's a problem? I guess you wait. Is your is there one thing you're testing for, which is the the slurping of uh, yeah. methane? Yeah, that's the thing we start with, and we focus okay. on this one. Um, I mean, the way you know if it works or not is very simple. You do a field trial. You do six months of uh, you implement your technology on you know. 10, 20, 30 wells, you do that for six months, and at the end, you print a report and you say, everything got, you know, production increased by this many percent, power consumption decreased, methane leaks decreased, like you, you have How long can they afford a typical well? We need to get back to failure quickly, yeah. but how long can the typical well afford to pump methane before it ruin, ruins um, it? If it's pumping pure gas, it will break in a couple months. Months? Yeah. Oh. Oh. But when it breaks, you need to remove 10,000 feet of pipes, swap it out, swap the pump, put it all back in. So it's like expensive failure. Um, normally, they're supposed to last you know, a couple of years. So it adds up. Um, Talk more about failure. Figure out. So yeah. he's, pre he's preventing failure. Yeah, that yeah. Is, that's the cop-out. That's a Susan-type cop-out. <laughs> Good job. Oh. <laughs> and so at the end of the six months, you go, well, I guess we agree. Yeah. Haha, <laughs> no pun intended. Well, <laughs> Definitely oh, oh. intended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are your failures? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Get um, to it. Something must have gone wrong. It was, during the actual PhD, it was difficult because people didn't believe in my acoustic concept. Mm. Uh, so I really had to kind of fight my way through the research, but... Uh, Why so? Why didn't they believe it? The stethoscope thing didn't yeah, work? Um, there, there's many technical reasons why uh, sound shouldn't propagate. Basically, you should oh. be attenuate and you shouldn't listen to anything. Mm. Uh, and at the end of the, you know, after a couple of years of fighting, I was just like, buy me a plane ticket to Texas, 
let me go with my equipment and let's put the equipment on some wells and we'll see. Uh, How significant if 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 Mick went down to a well in Texas mm -hmm. and he put a or in Arizona yeah. and he put a stethoscope up to a well and it started slurping methane, would he hear it? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, you would uh, even hear it with your ear. Does it sound like singing whales? Um, it's, uh, <laughs> I had to work that kind out. Of, no, it's actually, yeah, it's actually similar. It's in the same uh, uh, bass, you know, low-frequency band. Uh, so oh, yeah, you, can, you, sing. you can say That's it's great. like the well is singing if you want. It's just like the pitch changes. Like you, it sounds different. Uh, and do how can different it, it sounds. Can you imitate it for us? This could, be a this could be your first failure. Can you imitate it for us? <laughs> <laughs> just like like that. How Dory <laughs> sounded as a whale in Finding Nemo. That's how. No, I have to rewatch. No. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, anyway, so, so okay, and that wasn't enough to prove it to people. Yeah, Playing after back. that it was, but before that it, it was very hard. Just, uh, just you know, uh, debating on the theoretical level was uh, not convincing people. Um, so you're you, when when you hear the slurping sound, mm -hmm. you can tell there's a problem, but you can tell it by your ear. Yeah. So you're able to refine that and say what? what I can, can tell you exactly the quantity you're pumping, like how much methane you're pumping, how much oil you're pumping, uh, like the percentage at every stroke. You know, the pump is a bicycle pump. Every stroke you get a certain quantity of liquid, certain quantity of gas, and I can measure this. So I guess, uh, Mick, that gets to your point about it being an obvious idea, is it wasn't an ob like everyone doubted I it. used to go by my wells, and I heard them, and I said, they're slurping. <laughs> <laughs> but his ear up to them. And the cows, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, the cows died. <laughs> they were yeah, I would, just from an engineering perspective, I would imagine that the vibrations and everything else happening in the, welling pro in the well uh, oil extraction process would... Mask. It would be mask. noise, yeah. Mask. Yeah, yeah, but he can. But if if it's a regular pumping action, he can remove all that. Yeah. yeah. No, so I guess bring, brings me back to mixed obviousness point. Yeah, there's a cool. I mean, cool for 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 a nerd on a video on YouTube where you have like a guy that has an aquarium with a microphone on one side, a speaker on the other, and if you play a song, you know, you hear it on the microphone, and then he injects into uh, bubbles all over the aquarium, like. Yeah. Uh, and that completely kills the sound. You can't record anything. But, how about when when and, but if he removes that, he, he can remove that, though. Yeah, the bubbles he can turn on and off. You just oh, that's a little the point. Air pump that's that, the yeah. point. So if you have bubbles, if you have gas in whatever you're pumping, that kills any sound, effectively. Uh, but there are tricks around it, and we look at specific frequencies that are not affected by those bubbles, and uh. there are reasons why the bubbles don't appear like it's it gets technical after but basically you can get your way when you're doing your phd so your, your yeah. fundamental research yeah. did were there um, hurdles you ran into other than convincing people to fund the research um i mean the funding wasn't actually just i was very lucky assigned early on right before the price of oil I mean, there were a lot of uh, technical difficulties, but that's I think, part of the game. I wouldn't have expected. Um, biggest failures, otherwise, I had were uh, different. But when I hired my first intern, oh. uh, th that was very tricky. Uh, I've never, uh, I've always worked alone. Uh, all my research, everything was mostly alone. I had a couple group projects, but you know, I was never in a research team. My research was always independent, yeah. uh, like in the US or in France. And so hiring the first intern, um, it was very tricky supervising him. Uh, and, and 
getting the person to be engaged and then you have also to yeah you have to micromanage but by the right amount you can do too too much or not enough uh and i was definitely off at the beginning uh, how did you fund that how did you even fund the intern uh so i won some competition at at mit i had oh. some couple uh awards uh not a lot of money but enough to you know a couple tens of thousands enough to to get oh. started uh and that helped tremendously uh how, where did mass challenge play into all this uh mass challenge that that was during mass challenge actually the intern uh mass challenge was at the end of my phd i finished the phd you know graduation was june 8th and mass challenge was june 20 or something like this mm-hmm. it started so i did both of them in a row um uh, the Big point Plus of view of Mass Challenge was meeting other people in are in the same stage, like Susan. <laughs> uh, that was the, the main, uh, the, the the main thing, and it pulls you. It's a nice transition from you know the little cocoon of the university to right. like the real world. Uh, so oh, it's, it's like, very different. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's still uh, different, but um, yeah, Mass Challenge was after. Uh, but there wasn't any there wasn't any specific failure during mass challenge i don't know what do you think susan of oh i mean i have lots of personal failure stories but if that's what i don't know yeah. what you're what she you're she would asking. not admit it during the podcast um, but though. we we were able to do a lot during mass challenge uh, like we talked to the fda for free and got like an opinion of our product and learned how to modify it to make sure it didn't require approval and we got basically the person who ran marketing at Vistaprint. She's now an advisor for us and brought in our first employee who's a digital search marketing person. And so like very tangible, measurable, positive outcomes for Mass Challenge. But it can be a lot because it's a lot of like early stage companies. So you can spend your time sort of socializing in the office if you desire that. You just have to, like, like any company, you have to stay focused on what matters. That so was, uh, yeah, go ahead. What's the, on the IoT, Mark, do you have any uh, interesting IoT insights to give us? No, I think he, uh, it, from the sound of it, uh, this is success, the podcast, not failure, the podcast in this instance. So we failed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we're failing at that, but I, I, I think. We're always failing. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm, 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 I've got mixed question in the back of my head about obviousness and, and all that. But having, having some familiarity with the IoT world. How about my one about scaling? You didn't like that one. No, no, no. That was just... It's a psoriasis joke, Mark. I don't know if you got it fully. (laughs) I was slow on that one. (laughs) I'll laugh now. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, no, I I think from the sound of it, I mean, if if you'll forgive that pun, uh, because he's uh, doing a... (laughs) Oh, thank you, Mark. Thank you. Uh, I mean, when you explain a pun, it's just never the same. He's, fo- he's focused on solving one problem that impacts one segment of the market, uh, and I, I mean, I know this market. I know, I know the, uh, the, the, you know, the, the, these disparate, you know, independent uh, well owners. It's an issue, and you know, the driving around business is actually a big deal. And, that, and again, it, this is this is a. a you know, if you popped up out of the vertical and, and just went a little bit more, you know, horizontally, this is a problem. You know, this notion of checking sensors, you know, over a wide area uh, is a big problem. And that whether or not, you know, uh, sensors is the right answer, you know, who knows, but it's certainly a lot cheaper than putting a dude in a truck and making him drive six hours to spend a minute at a wellhead. So Pen, I think I think it's really pay smart. Him. 
Yeah, depends what you're paying, but okay, it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think if we fail to talk about failure, that's like a success a, for this podcast, right? Well, <laughs> you know, like there are many ways. That's the tautology. <laughs> that's typical startup mentality. Yes, yeah, that's <laughs> Susan trying to make this sound good. Um, but that's good. That's all good. Um, let's see. So are you going to get him a panelist spot on this program, Mark? Well, I don't know, but uh, I'll, I'll send a note out. I have his email here, so I'll send a note out and see if I can in, at least induce him to be part of our IoT village, which will attract investors and uh, potential users. I have utility executives coming. He might actually uh, benefit from the MIT Enterprise Forum's Connected Things Conference on March 25th at the MIT Media Lab. Yeah, Does that sound I like also... a plug? Does that sound like a plug to you? <laughs> I think it that's not a plug. Like a plug. Wait, what day is it time? And how do you sign up? Well, how What's much does it cost? <laughs> Depends on who you are. Oh, there uh, we go. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, also, I have a lot of friends in the oil and gas business in, in Texas. That's right. Because they're Texas. all mechanical engineers Texas. in Houston and, you know, uh, New Orleans and Oklahoma. So that can be yeah. helpful. Well, we're going to start it first. We're going to give you a round of applause. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Thanks, Sebastian. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Is that it? It's over? Yeah. It's over. It, it ends abruptly. Yeah, like this. <laughs>